So welcome to the You Can Make It So podcast. This is episode number 25. Thank you for joining us for this uh, very special episode, a milestone episode, really, 25 episodes. And uh, thank you for all of your support of our podcast and the many positive comments that we've been receiving, the sharing, the recommending it to others, always appreciated. So each month in our podcast, uh, we have different themes, and we've uh, looked at habits and goals, what high achievers do. We've looked at clarity, gratitude, and last month, we've been looking at progress. And uh, I encourage you to check them all out on Spotify and through our website, phoenixlifecoachingcanada.com. We begin a new series and a new format with this podcast, and let's start off by discussing the format. Uh, Our podcast is short, it's direct, and it's practical. It's meant to be that way, and it will not change. But we also want to give our full-service coaching clients some deep dives into some of the topics that we're going to be discussing over the course of this series. So we're going to make available to all of our full-service coaching clients extended versions of our podcast in video format. And we look forward to this helping them to live in a way that will help them to thrive tomorrow. So details on our full-service coaching can be found on our website. Now, let's also talk about the series. We're going to be welcoming some amazing special guests over the course of the series on this podcast, and uh, we have a great lineup. David Meltzer, a three-time international best-selling author, a top 100 business coach, and the co-founder of Sports One Marketing is going to be with us. Howard Bahar, he's the former president of Starbucks International and the president of Starbucks North America, where he participated in the growth of the company from 28 stores to 15,000 stores, spanning uh, all five continents. And uh, and Tom Story, one of uh, the top 35 realtors under 35 years of age, is um, also consistently hitting the top 1% of all realtors in the Toronto market, are just some of them. And we have a few others that we're going to be announcing over the course of the summer series. But we are launching forth this new series with one of the 50 best executives in Canada. And so let's get after it. Let's make it so. I'm really excited to be welcoming Jim Reed to be with us. Jim knows what it takes to build a high performing culture and successfully lead organizations through tremendous growth. He's an accomplished executive. He's a been a trusted advisor to six CEOs, and Jim has navigated significant change and immense pressure to build winning teams that outperform competitors. He has coached, he has advised, he has developed thousands of aspiring leaders who have gone on to deliver extraordinary results and to make the world a better place. He was originally trained as a military pilot, and Jim built his expertise working alongside some of the best thinkers on leadership, including Jim Collins. And in 2021, he was recognized by the Report on Business magazine as one of the 50 best executives in Canada. He brings credibility, insight, integrity to the framework of leadership based on five timeless principles that if understood and lived are almost guaranteed to get you a better place in life. Now, Jim has a a brand new book, which is a must read for uh, all leaders. It's one that, that I've read and that I really enjoy. It's called Leading to Greatness. It was released back on March the 1st. And uh, today, Jim, like myself, he splits his time between uh, Toronto and uh, Muskoka, Ontario. And uh, for, for Jim, family is really important. 
Uh, he's married to his wife, Patty, to his children, to a growing group of grandchildren. And Jim, I just want to thank you for being with us today on the You Can Make It So podcast. Oh, it's so great to be here with you today, Frank, and you know to be able to talk about a subject I have just so much passion for. So thanks for having me. Thank you. And, and by the way, you're the first guest on our summer, really the first guest ever on our podcast. So thanks again for, for being with Fantastic. Me. Thank you. We're, we're going to start a little new new little tradition for this series and you get to be the first uh the first one to be a part of it and it's gonna we're gonna call it our, our make it so questionnaire so we're gonna have a little bit of fun just to get started so okay if you had to choose between apple or microsoft which would you go with i think apple apple i have to pick up i'm an apple guy all the way all right <laughs> and if you had to choose between tim hortons and starbucks where would you go well, I'm a good Canadian boy here, so Tim Hortons. All right, me too. Awesome. <laughs> Favorite type of car? BMW. I've, I've had BMWs all my life. Yeah, I guess it goes back to my military pilot days, I guess, but BMW, Frank. And uh, did you play an instrument? I played, I played guitar as a, as a teenager, but, you know, it's been a while, but, yeah. All right, very good. And uh, how about a favorite song? Oh, that's a hard one. I mean, my kids would say my favorite song is Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World. That's what they would, whenever it comes on, they go, hey, that's dad's song. So I'll take that one. All right. Sounds good. Good song. Um, favorite professional memory? Wow, there's so many, um, so many memories. Such a great question. I would say for me, um, Maybe we'll talk about this a little bit, but getting my wings as a military pilot was probably the hardest thing I ever did and, and the most rewarding. All right. Okay. Now, uh, you have uh, grandkids, so this would be a, a so far type of question, but uh, favorite personal memory? Yeah, I think, I think it's the, uh, you know, meeting Patty and uh, we had our, our first date in Vancouver, British Columbia, and we got married and you know, we've got four amazing kids and four grandchildren, as you mentioned. So I would say um, that probably the best decision I ever made in my life was, was marrying Patty. So that's, that's the one for me. And certainly, uh, you know, her, her influence uh, upon you and your, uh, your, your pride in a good way. Uh, yeah. The book that you have for her. 100%. Yeah, she's inspiring. You know, she has a huge followership in Canada, but uh, yeah, she's, she's really inspiring. Appreciate it. And uh, here's the last one. Uh, what does the word success mean to you? I think, I, I think I've really changed how I think about success over my lifetime. You know, now I think, um, you know, moving into a new chapter for myself, I would say I, I've come to believe success is now more about, um, you know, having your health and, uh, and happiness in life. And, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do and accomplish. And, but at the end of the day, I think it's the relationships that you have with your family and your loved ones. They're the ones that really matter. Everything else is important, but for me, not the most important. So family, health, happiness, um, relationships that matter. That's, that's kind of what, what's most important to me, Frank. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I echo those. That's, that's great. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, before we um, start talking about your book, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, your career. Uh, mentioned in the introduction, and you touched on it as well. Uh, you started off as a pilot. Yeah, I, I you know, my, I had three phases in my career. And the first phase was, um, as, as you mentioned, I 
I went off to military college and graduated from Royal Roads Military College, which is kind of in Canada. It's the equivalent of the, of, you know, Annapolis in the U.S. or United States Air Force Academy with the U.S. military. Right. And um, so I was there for four years. I signed up as a pilot. And, you know, what I got out of the military was you really it changed me, you know, changed me for the better. There's no question about that. But they sort of take you apart and put you back together. And for me, it taught me discipline. And it, I learned about service to others. I mean, that's really where my initial curiosity around leadership started. But service to others, service to your country, and just the discipline that you learn, you know, being not just a, an officer, but a military pilot. That's kind of what I took away from that. Uh, when I got out of the military, I went back to school. I did an MBA, and then I moved into operations and eventually general management. I ran a, a, a 200, maybe a $250 million business for a few years. Um, and, you know, that was a great experience for me, leaving the military and kind of making it in the private sector. And uh, I, I learned about teams and culture and high performance, right, and, and how to get the best out of people. So I kind of really built off my military experience. And then the CEO of the company I was working for was a life sciences company, Global, pulled uh, me out of the general management job when I came back from Harvard, advanced, the advanced management program at Harvard. And he decided to, to have me take on the HR portfolio. And, you know, at the time, I wasn't super happy about it, but he saw in me what I didn't see in myself. And I, he did me such a favor as I look back on my career. And it has been since then, you know, just an amazing journey. And of course, when you're in that job, we grew the business from 500 million to two and a half billion. And uh, you learn how to scale a business, you learn about transformation, large scale change and the importance of talent. So it's been a great, it's been a great, uh, it's been a great career for me, Frank. Uh, I feel privileged. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, how did you from, from the, during the course of your, um, uh, of your, of your time, and I know you mentioned this in the book, um, you were introduced to, to Jim Collins. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and talk about the, the power of mentors and coaches? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I am so fortunate that, you know, I, when, when I got promoted into the, um, the HR, porf, to take the HR portfolio, you know, in, in the life sciences company that I mentioned before, one of, one of the things they did is they sent me to Stanford University on this big program on organizational change. I think it was a month-long program you lived in. My roommate was um, a gentleman by the name of Dean Sanders, who was the head of operations for Walmart. Yeah. He was a fantastic human being, extremely talented. But the two people in the Stanford faculty running that program were Jerry Porras and Jim Collins. Okay. And they had, when I met him, they had released Bill to Last. And they were running this program on organizational change. But a lot of the principles that they taught came from, you know, the Bill to Last research. And I just connected somehow, you know, it's one of those things, maybe it was fate, I don't know, but I just connected with Jim and, um, you know, we had, a, we had a lot of discussions after class. And, and then later, after he left Stanford, uh, we had him to come up and speak at, the, at, at our organization. And he, had an, he then invited me to participate in the Good to Great research as, a, as one of his critical readers. And, and I did three projects with him. I did Good to Great as a critical reader. Then I did a smaller project called How the Mighty, How the Mighty Fall. Okay. And then I did the last one, uh, which he did was Great by Choice. 
So he has changed how I think about high performance forever. And he's been very generous of his time with me. And I talk to him a couple of times a year uh, at a minimum. I've been down to see him. He lives in Boulder, Colorado. He, he is a, in a league of his own, in my opinion. And anybody, if any, if you, I always say to people, if you only ever read one business book, read Good to Great, right? It is fantastic. Yeah, in, in fact, uh, with my own clients, it's one of the books uh, that I, I invite them to read right from the start. Uh, yeah, beautiful. It's a, it's, it's a classic, book. timeless. It's timeless, you know. The, the reason I like Jim Collins so much, Frank, is because his research is so rigorous, right? Like he starts with results. And from results, he then looks at what are the practices and principles that the leadership, the leaders understood and lived to drive those results. So it's not an opinion. Like he's not laying out an opinion. He's laying out, you know, kind of show me the data, start with results, and then let's see what they did to, to achieve those results and outperform. That's why I think the, the research he did is the best that's out there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Um, now your, your own book, um, uh, Leading to Greatness, um, you know, you, you um, bring in some research, you bring in um, other, other individuals like Jim Collins and others. And uh, it implies by its very title, uh, that there's there's a process to get to to that that sense of greatness. Can you tell us maybe a little bit about a moment or a time in your own life uh, where you you faced a challenge, and uh, did you ever consider giving up? And where did you get yeah. the drive to just press onward? Well, I mean, there's been so many, you know, where you where you're feeling the load, you know, of what you face, and and. Uh, now, I've all, I came to believe in, in life, right, that, that high performance is a personal choice, that nobody can make a decision for you except for you about the path that you want to take, and, and nobody can tell you to step up your game. Like, that's something that it comes inside out. Like, you have to make that decision yourself. And sometimes, you know, on this journey of life, or, you know, if you want to, you want to be differentiated as one of the best, it, you're committing to a, to a journey that isn't necessarily going to be the easiest path for you but it may be the most rewarding path. For me, the, um, this one hit me, hit me early in my career. I'll take it back to the military days. When I did, um, you know, when you're at the recruiting center, I was recruited by a, a, a pilot who flew 707 jets and he made it sound so easy to become a pilot. Well, you don't realize until you actually get to pilot training that it's got like a 75% failure rate you know, in primary flying and on the jet courses, the jet course failure rate isn't as high, but it is high. But when I went to Porter's La Prairie, um, I was young. I was like in my early twenties. And I remember there was 50 of us on the primary flying course and 40 of the 50 had their commercial pilot's license or their pilot's license. And of course I had just sat on a plane, Frank. Like I'd never flown a plane. I'd been a passenger on a plane. I remember calling my dad and saying, dad, I'm not sure you know, this is going to go that well for me. So I'll probably see you in a couple of weeks, you know, it's kind of, kind of my call. And I remember what he said to me, he was a, he was a, a school principal and he said, he said, son, just do your very best. That's all you can do in life. Right. It was great advice. And I just, you know, dug deep. Um, I don't know if it was the fear of failing or I just wanted to prove it to myself, you know, that if I thought to myself, if I listen to these instructor pilots and I work hard, Maybe I can do this. And I passed the course, you know, and, and um, 
I, I got through it. And I think for me, you know, it felt like all the odds were against me and I wasn't, I didn't have a hope and why didn't I get my pilot's license before if I wanted to fly? But uh, somehow, you know, if you, if you open and you listen and you take their advice and it turns out it's not that these people who failed with their pilot's license couldn't fly. They just didn't fly the way the military wanted them to fly. Like there's a, a level of precision that's required. And so if you develop bad habits, you, you've talked about habits. I think it's a brilliant thing. And if you develop bad habits, it's hard to shake them. And, and for me, I just developed the habits that I needed to, that they told me to, and most of them were new and, and I succeeded. So for me, that, that stands out for me as, you know, when I face adversity, like that was a steep climb for me and somehow I dug deep and got through it. Yeah. Now, do you, uh, do you ever uh, still uh, fly a plane? You know, I have my commercial helicopters pilot's license, but of course you're met it and you get, it's the craziest thing. You get it for life, but, but you have to have an active, you know, a valid medical. And of course, so I always say to Patty, like I've been too busy to fly, you know, lately and with, with Rogers and all the things that I'm doing, but it is something I want to do. You know, when I, when I, when I, and as I step into my next chapter, you know, get my, get my medical, get current and, and fly again. And it's something that I'm going to, I want to do uh, again. So you to write this book? Well, a few things. I mean, I had been coaching executives and working with CEOs for a while. And I was very, um, I've always, I kind of learned from Jim Collins, you know, the discipline that he has. And he's a social scientist. He's the most curious person I've ever met in my life. And so for me, he's looking broader. I was, I, I took a narrower view on leadership. And, and in my conversations with him, I was always kind of telling him, you know, the, the, the impact that leaders have in organizations, you know, based on the tone that they set, et cetera. So I was very, very, very curious about it. And um, so I, I thought, you know, here's, here are the questions that I was sort of going after. I, I thought, you know, if you're good, if you're good, can you become great? You know, can you, if you're good at something, can you become really differentiated? Can you become the best? was sort of question number one. Second one was, once you get there, how do you stay there? And the third question was, what are the differences between a great leader and a good leader? So I did, I looked at all the research through my career, was always looking and looking and looking to see what worked. And then I coached, you know, hundreds of executives, including working with the six CEOs that you mentioned. And so you start to get a feel for what the, the most talented do differently. And of course, the research, you know, whether it's Collins or John Cotter or Dave Ulrich, like they're all on the good to great journey themselves, too. So I, I just thought, you know, when coaching executives, they were looking for something simpler. And there's so much written on leadership that's out there, but a lot of it's contradictory. Some of it's um, too theoretical and a lot of it's hard to action. So people that I was coaching were saying, Jim, can you just make it simple? Can you give me a model that's simple that works in my whole life, not just my work life? So there's that piece. And then the second piece, it was Jim Collins had always, you know, said in, in, in kind of in, in your flywheel of life, Jim, you know, um, you should write a book on leadership. You're out there. You see it every day. You see what's better, what works. And so I'd always thought about that. And, you know, I was coming to the point where I was going to step down and see a trail at Rogers and it was the perfect timing. And I wrote it during the pandemic. Patty gets up, you probably know this. she's works in television, of course. And so we get up at three in the morning, I'd make coffee. And then I had that time, you know, from four to six 30 where most people aren't up or working. And so I started writing in March of 2020 when the pandemic hit, I had the 
the manuscript done by December. And then of course you have to find a, a publisher and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I just felt, I just felt it was sort of um, something I always wanted to do. It was harder than I thought. Uh, a lot more work. Even you think your work is done when you get a publisher, but that's how you're halfway there because they're, 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 they're detailed copy edits and editing process um, is mind, mind blowing, right? How, how detailed it is. But I'm, I'm happy that I did it and it'll be, it'll be the only book I do, I think. <laughs> well, well let's, uh, let's do a little bit of a deep dive into it. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you speak about five principles transform your leadership and build great teams. You, you mentioned values and purpose, strength and passions, the right people, full engagement and discipline. Um, can you just walk us through the principles and then we'll grab onto one of them and do a deep dive? Sure. The, you know, the, um, so because of the work that I did with Jim Collins, like I learned from him that he was always looking for timeless principles or, 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 um, things that stood the test of time, like, you know, a fundamental versus a fat. So, so that I kind of learned that from him. The second thing was, you know, we always learn from the good to great research that if you want to get better, you need to develop against a framework. So in the book, I present two frameworks. One is the, the, the five principles that you described, which is a framework, you know, for personal leadership. So, you know, I kind of believe that, that it's never too late to learn and grow. And for anybody who wants to step up their game and make more of an impact in their life, I wanted to present a framework that was simple, intuitive, easy to understand and easy to action. So that's kind of where I was coming from. I did the same thing on building teams because I think leaders have to show up themselves in the best possible way, but then they have to be equally strong at knowing how to build a high performance team. So those are the two frameworks that are presented in the book. The, the, the five, the principles, they, they build on one another. So the values and per, values and purpose are number one, because I really see them as the foundation for your leadership in life. And, you know, in, in the built to last research, one of the insights that we had was that, you know, when, when these companies that outperform their competitors by, I don't know, seven to one over decades, like, so it wasn't luck. One of the things they did when faced with change is they asked, the first question they asked was what not to change. And what not to change is your core values and your core purpose. And when I work with leaders, like top performing leaders, one of the things I noticed about them was they, they, could, they could articulate what they believe, their values, and why, what kind of difference they, why they existed in their life and what their purpose in life was with such clarity. And most people sort of have the values done and haven't really done the work on purpose. So for me, values and purpose is the foundation for personal success and personal leadership. And you never change. Once you get clarity, you don't change it. It becomes your, your, your constant. And what we learn about success is that, you know, the, you, you need to, there's a paradox of change. You know, on the one hand, don't change values and purpose, but on the other hand, be open to change your strategy, your priorities, your goals, and from a company perspective, your culture. Why? Because the world is going to be a different place in five years and you have to learn to adapt. So that's, that's principle. And those who adapt better than most are the ones who are going to win in long term. They're going to change more effectively. So that's the first one. The second one is, uh, comes from the, um, it's the three circles framework. And in good to great research, it was, it was the hedgehog concept. 
and, and it was the strategy framework for all these good to great transition companies. And I, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh my God, this is brilliant, right? Because th this works for companies, but it works for people too. So, so the idea is get to the intersection of three overlapping circle, circles. Circle one is what are your genetically encoded strengths? What, it's not what you're good at, it's a higher test. It's what can you be differentiated around? And I say to people, you know, on the assembly line of life, if you think of that as a metaphor, we're given certain strengths. You're not gonna be great at everything. Right? So the key is to discover early through your successes what strengths you draw on to drive those successes. And they become your differentiators and you play to those you know, for the rest of your career. Passion is about what excites you in the morning when you get up. Beyond, it's passion beyond friends and family um, or your hobbies. It's, you know, are you creative? You know, do you like to build teams? Do you like to solve problems? When does work not feel like work for you is the, is the, is the acid test question. And then circle three is make a living. And I always say to people when I'm coaching them early in your career, pick the company that fits with your values, where you're inspired by the purpose, where you can start to apply your strengths and learn and get clarity, right? Um, and later in your career, go find the best executive you can work for because they'll stretch you, champion you, develop you. So that's strengths and passion. And the most success, I always say to people, this is your best path for success. And, and, and a lot of people are just winging it, Frank, like they take the first job they get. And as opposed to they do the work to figure it out, when you get clarity on strengths and passion and, and you look at it, you say, oh, this is me. This is who I am. And it, it fits like your best piece of clothing fits. So, um, so values and purpose foundation, strengths and passion. Now as a leader, the third principle is around the right people. And I feel that I believe, I really believe this, um, that the most important choices we'll make in life are around the people we spend our life with, our friends, and in the business context, those you, you know, we bring on our team or in, into our organization. So it's a two-sided coin. It's on the one hand, as, you know, to use a Jim Collins phrase, the right people on the bus, who are they? It's all about fit, right? With, with values, inspired by the purpose, team players, work hard, open to learning and feedback, you know, and then, but you also have to be equally good at moving the wrong people off the bus. And most leaders are better at right people decisions than the wrong people decisions. So I'm sure you see that all the time in your coaching as well. And so I really trying to get people to be excellent at both, right? Because the, the wrong people on the bus will suck the energy out of the team and uh, will hold the team back. Right. So, 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 and by having clarity of values, having clarity on your own strengths and passion, that, that then allows you to build out a great team, you know, and, and you, you've, I mean, you coach people this way too, you know, early in your career, it's, it's you that determines your success, but later in your career, it's your team, the strength of your team that determines how successful you'll be. So you have to become fantastic at, at making the right people decisions and building great teams. Um, engagement is about, um, you have to be engaged yourself as a leader and then you have to know how to build engagement. Um, we'll talk about that later. And then the last one is discipline. And, you know, this is what I was talking about in the military. Like I find that the best performing people, they're so disciplined and it allows you to kick your performance into a higher gear. Um, so for me, there's five behaviors that reflect the most disciplined leaders. You know, it's mission focus, it's humility. It's grit, 
it's they're builders, not dividers, and they're great storytellers. So they all kind of combine, but it's, it's think of it as, you know, kicking from a, from a pilot's point of view, it's afterburner, right? And, and being disciplined and the rituals around discipline that allow you to be consistent and follow through excellent uh, in an excellent way is just allows you to kick your kick your performance your performance and that of the team into a, into a, just a higher gear and, and deliver when you need to deliver. Absolutely, I, I really appreciate your answers there. And you know, for for those who are who are listening with us, if you had any doubt whatsoever about getting this book. Um, you know, after hearing Jim just explain all of uh, these these five principles, you should have no doubt whatsoever about getting it because he he unpacks. You know, he's done a, a great synopsis of them, but he unpacks them with such richness in each of the chapters and each of the pages. It's uh, it's really very very engaging, very practical. Um, let's um, let's look at at um, at the relationship, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but to touch on the relationship between values, purpose, and character, because I think value, purpose, and character seem to be attributes and traits that kind of make their way through all five at different stages and different levels. Yeah. And, you know, I've always, uh, you know, one of the things when I was writing the book, you know, there was all kinds of things happening in the U.S. political situation. And, you know, and I, I was thinking about a conversation that Jim Collins and I had about leaders, you know, and, and he had a, he had a kind of a, a two-part test you know, because we were talking about how, how people who have you know, difference between success and because uh, you can be, you can not have the best character and still be successful, if you know what I mean, right? Yeah. So he had two, two criteria. One was um, you had to be successful. And the second criteria for him was you had to be a good role model um, to your children. You had to check both boxes. Wow. Okay. And um, so I, I think I think your, your relationship that you just described between values, purpose, and character, you know, this is, this is, you know, just so foundational for people and, you know, values are what you believe. And most people have a combination of personal basic human values, you know, honesty, integrity, compassion, uh, empathy, um, and then respect, and then some performance values like teamwork, customer, um, drive to win, you know, you know, drive to results, et cetera, those kind of things, right? I call them performance values. The, um, and purpose, you know, that what's the, what's your destination in life? I, I find this is the one that's most, um, where, where people, most leaders need to work on. Like there's a wonderful article by Clayton Christensen called How Will You Measure Your Life in Harvard Business Review? And everybody should read that article. It's a fantastic article about purpose. And the combination of these things come to shape how you show up, how, how your character is seen. And, um, and, and for those who do the work and are most committed to values, purpose, and then their character, they're, they're so authentic and, and they're so consistent. And it's one of the reasons that, it's, you know, this question, we all know a great leader when we've been led by one or we've worked for one right? There's something different about what they stand for. And usually it flows, their behaviors flow from the character. And I'd love to hear your, your views on this as well, Frank, because you, you're, you're coaching all the time and very successful entrepreneur, entrepreneurs and people who are built, does it, building businesses. But I just see such a, such a difference, right? And, uh, 
And, and I, I just think that's why I think about it as, as the foundation. The foundation has to be strong enough, you know, to weather a hurricane or a sunny day, you know, like you got to be able to, it's got to be, it's got to be something you can build on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you know, one of, one of the things I often will say to the, the fellows that I coach is that um, you know, people on your team um, will go to work for a good boss, but they will show up every day for a good leader. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that's, a, I think that's exactly right. And there's something about the role modeling and the consistency and the authenticity that these leaders have that, that people will just, they'll, they'll, they'll go to the wall for them, you know, in the military. I, I saw it. I saw it. I, I was so curious to see these, you know, two, two officers of the same rank. Um, and, and one built great followership and the other didn't build any followership. Why? A lot of it had to do with, with, you know, their character. And there's their, their clarity of values and, and, their, and, and their commitment to excellence in terms of their purpose in life. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, you, um, you threw out the book, uh, use a number of different case studies and um, several of them stood out to me. Uh, but one of them was, um, was someone that, I, that is a hero of mine in, in many ways. Uh, and, um, and someone that I, that I really think does amplify these five principles, and that's uh, Colin Powell, uh, the former yeah. U.S. General Secretary of State, recently passed. Um, can you share a little bit about uh, why you you chose him, uh, and what is it that uh, that that made you kind of highlight uh, his leadership? I think I saw him speak in New York. Um, oh, I don't know when he was still in the military before he became Secretary of State, and he he was talking about. Um, you know, just his principles of leadership, you know, and, and I, I was, I was always so impressed with his story. Mm. You know, here's somebody that comes from, he's not coming from a privileged life. You know, his parents, his, 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 his commitment around working hard and treating people respectfully and, and overcoming obstacles. Like I, I just, for me, he, uh, like you, I just, he stands out for me in one of my, one of my role models, you know, when I think of what great leadership is and just how consistent and authentic he was. And by the way, you know, he, he took a beating, you know, in terms of his reputation for, you know, the Iraq war, but it also, that to me, that to me just humanized him more, you know, and he, when he talked about it, you know, even great people make mistakes, you know, but he was so humble about you know how he described those situations i just think he's he for me was is the full package his love of his family like the whole thing frank like it's just he checked every box for me his service to his country um the, the fact he as a warrior he he hated to fight you know he didn't want to fight but if he did he was gonna take take the best take the best path forward for his country like i just i admire him you know, I, I admire him and, and, uh, you know, he, he's, he's to me, he, he was just a, you know, a, a beacon of, of, um, what a great leader looks like and, and how, how they show up. Absolutely. No, I agree. I, I always found it very, uh, interesting that, you know, certainly a man who, as you say, he knew how to fight, but yet he went into a role of diplomacy 
and it was there he shone in such a great way yeah yeah beautiful i often um you know say to the the individuals that that i coach uh that goals gain but habits hold you know that it's good to have goals goals are important but it's habits that will actually get you there um in chapter four of the book you talk a bit about full engagement and i have to say it's probably one of my favorite chapters uh in the book can you unpack a little bit about what is getting full engagement and why it's important? Yeah, of course. I mean, I learned, um, I, I did this, um, I, I attended this workshop that was given by Dr. Jim Lair in, in Florida. Okay. And he had this, uh, it was called the Peak Performance Lab or something like that. We went down for a week and, and he broke down some of the myths around engagement for me uh, right off the start. You know, and, and I had always been taught that certain things, you know, like for instance, stress is bad. And he, he was telling us how stress is good, you know, and you know, he re rewards fuel performance and he would say purpose fuels performance, you know, that you have to pace yourself in life because life is a marathon and you don't want to get too tired too fast. His view was, you know, life for, for the highest performers, life is a series of sprints followed by recovery. You know, on the one hand, people said, get organized, your lousy time manager, sort it out. And, and, and he would say, you know, it's not about time management, it's about energy management. So he, he started his career by coaching athletes. He worked with Marco Mira, uh, Gabriela Sabatini, uh, athletes that were 40 or 50 in the world, which is pretty darn good, right, in their sport. He knew nothing about their sport. He taught them all about mindset. Yeah. And, and that kind of drives the kind of habits that drive high performance. And, and he got all of the, he got... Pete Sampras, Marco Mira, Gabriela Sabatini from 40 or 50 in the world to number one. And then he went and worked with Navy SEAL teams, SWAT teams, police SWAT teams. And then he came and started working with corporate executives. And that's when I met him. So for me, um, he taught me that engagement is about energy management. And when you need to be at your best, you need to be able to draw on an energy reserve and this notion of sprint, sprint to sprint, followed by recovery. What most executives, most executives do sprint, but they're terrible at recovery, yeah. right? They don't recharge. They don't understand how important it is that once they sprint, they need to recover. So for me, uh, as a leader, you, you have to get yourself sorted out first and, and be completely engaged in the mission that you're trying to do. Only then can you expect and start to build engagement with others? And so, you know, I, I feel I've always believed um, on the energy management piece after my time with Jim Lehrer. And the other thing on engagement, you know, the number one driver for most people in terms of engagement is personal growth and development. And so as a leader, you have to learn how to get behind people in their development and you have to learn how to build a high performance team. And so, you know, I'm a big believer in, in leaders becoming effective coaches and that coaching is a life skill and it'll, it'll help you in all aspects of your life, including your work life. And you can take, um, and, and that the team, I learned this in the military, the team is the performance unit of the company and you can drive culture change and, and engagement up one team at a time. And that's the leader's accountability is twofold to drive value to customers and second to, to, um, to build a high performance team and a high performance culture and, and, and high performance individuals that are fully engaged. So I, I think there's so much you can learn 
uh, Frank, about engagement and how it works from a psychological point of view. But you need um, you need to get yourself sorted out first. Yeah. And once you get yourself sorted out first, then I think you can then and you have the credibility, I think, to 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 start to work it at the individual and at the team level. And and we took at, at Rogers, we took engagement from uh, mid 60s, which is below the Canadian median for engagement in organizations to almost 90%. We took pride to 94%. Oh my God. Um, like, so, and, and we did it, um, you know, kind of one leader at a time, one, one team at a time. And we, and we really got taught our leaders how to, how to develop people and teams. Yeah. That was the key to the journey. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a big proponent of, uh, you know, one person, one problem, one promise. And if yeah. you do that, then you, you can, you can accomplish amazing things after that. You know? Yeah, I 100% agree. 100% agree. It makes so much sense to me. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning in the introduction that family is uh, important to Jim. And as you read the book, um, this will be very much affirmed. Uh, your pride in your wife, Patty, your children, Carolyn, David, Kevin, and Jane is so evident. You mentioned them uh, in some case studies. You've worked as a top executive. Uh, that means long hours, uh, maybe a little bit of stress along the way. Uh, and, uh, and some personal skill stretching and heavy commitments. Um, many who are listening, they're entrepreneurs, they're executives, they're people who want to strive and they want to thrive. Can you talk a little bit about time management, balance, and also uh, the role of family in success? Yeah. Well, I, I think, and you've probably seen this yourself in coaching executives, like, you know, there's you know, they almost have to set, you almost have to have the conditions for, for success, you know, uh, personal success is a lot about momentum and it's very difficult for executives to achieve success and hold success if they haven't got a supportive um, family behind them, you know? So I would say that, you know, it's, it's, it's when you're coaching people, it's sometimes performance issues don't come just from the work environment. It comes from they're they're, they're just, they're, they're, they're still trying to get, things sorted out on the, on the home front. But I would say that I remember talking to, to Jim Collins. Uh, we had this uh, really interesting conversation after we were just, he was just getting ready to publish the book. And we were talking about the good to great journey and the decision, you know, this concept that high performance is a personal choice is something that I became, became very aware of. And he talked about the fact that, you know, he said at one stage, he said to me, sometimes Jim, you know, I feel sorry for people who want to be on that path because it's a not a, it's it's a harder path in life, but you know for me it comes back to purpose. If your clarity of purpose and you know what your destination is, then you try to have most of the steps in your life move that purpose forward. That's that's how I saw. It. My purpose is to help people um, be the best they can be, to get on and stay on a high performance trajectory in their life, not just their work, but in their life. And so I was always inspired. Like I loved what I do. I felt like I was always in my wheelhouse. So you you can take on a lot if work if you love if you love what you do every day. I guess that's the that's the key I think to a fulfilled life is. And then the second thing for me is it's true that there were times when I was I felt out of control. Like there's just too big a lift. But one of the things I learned I learned two things. One is how to recover and regain my energy reserves. That became very very important to me. And my wife was extremely, Patty was extremely supportive. And the other one was you, the only one who can put boundaries in for yourself is you. 
Yeah. And so I carved out, I told, we used to have these family conferences with the kids and I'd say, okay, when, when do you want dad, when do you guys want to play hockey? When do you want to play, play ball? Hockey? You want to do the morning or the afternoon? They'd say, oh, dad, we want to do it in the morning. As soon as we get up right after breakfast, I said, great. So I'd carve that time out for family time and I, and I would never uh, interrupt it. Right. So I think there's, these are, there's certain rituals that you can do for me. That was a ritual of, you know, making sure that, that I are, I always carve time out for Patty. Patty and I start our day together and end our day together every day when I'm not traveling. So again, there's another ritual around, you know, making, making a priority for things that are the most important in your life. So I don't know, like I, I'm open to suggestions from all kinds of people, but yeah, I think you can almost do the impossible if you're, if your values and purpose driven, right? Because you're, you're doing what you feel you're here to do. That's the key for me. It's always been the key for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Really well said, really well said. You know, uh, the, the only difference, uh, I often, I love the saying, the only difference between a, a river and a swamp is the banks. Yeah, the only <laughs> that's good. So often yeah. stuff can get swampy if we don't have some good banks in place. So really, really, that's a great one. I love that one. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to steal that from you. Thank you. <laughs> well, you've been so generous with, with your time and I, I appreciate it so much. Uh, but I have just one last question and that is um, which of the five principles, and maybe this is a tough question, but which of the five principles do you think could help every one of us today? I think it's principle number two, which is, you know, play to your strengths and passion always, you know, and that, that is the, the path for most people. That's their best path to success and getting clarity um, and, and then staying focused yeah. will, you know, almost always will get people to a better place. So I would say principle two is the one and, and the three circles framework in the book, or you can, you know, you can, if you have good degree, you can read it there. I just really encourage people to do the work and then find somebody that they trust, validate it, you get their input and iterate it a few times. And you, you, you'll never regret doing the work on, on, you know, deep strengths and, and passion. Yeah. Agreed. You know, Jim, thanks for being with us so much. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've learned a number of things that people probably who are watching Notice I, I've been writing down a few things. I, I've picked up a number of tidbits from it. And I just want to just close off by just sincerely saying, like, I, I super endorse this book. Like, so much of it is, um, has been so life-giving to me, you know, in, in reading it. And, so, and I support it so much that, in fact, several of our full-service coaching clients are going to be getting copies. You never know, maybe signed by the author. You never know. I'd love to. Yeah. And... Uh, that's part of our 22 books for 2022 that we're doing for our, uh, our full service coaching clients here at Phoenix Life Coaching Canada. Uh, not only is this book an engaging read, but it's practical and it's guided towards success. And the five principles, they work because they are simple, they're actionable, and they're timeless. And uh, really the chapters of the book and doing the exercises, and I've uh, done a number of them, really stretched and strengthened me. And so, Jim, I'm, I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to you for this book. I'm grateful to you for the integrity of your career as an executive, for the community engagement uh, that you have, uh, such as being a member of the board at the Ted Rogers School of Management, uh, for the love and passion that you have for your family. It comes out in so many different ways. 
and really for the time that you've invested in people. Um, and, and this book is yet another example of that. So Jim, I just really want to sincerely thank you, for, not only for being with us, but for the integrity and the man that you are. It, it's, uh, it's so- Thank you. Thank you, Frank. And thank you for the difference you make in people's lives every day as well. So it's, it's been a pleasure being here with you today. Yes, thank you very much. So I just want to encourage everyone to tune in uh, next week on uh, Tune In Tuesday as we continue our summer series and, and to let others know about this podcast and check out our blog as well. I encourage you to follow us on Instagram and Twitter where we post daily. And if you're on LinkedIn, uh, we encourage you to connect with us there. And uh, all of our full service coaching clients, don't forget to go to the Make It So platform and you can see the full form of this podcast in video format and then look for your of Leading to Greatness by Jim Reed is going to be coming your way. Until we get together again and until our next episode, start living in a way today that will help you to thrive tomorrow. And remember that you can make it so.